Wonderful to be able to preach to some faces today, though uh, it was a little bit disconcerting, I've got to say, this morning. I've gotten used to just assuming people are laughing at my jokes when I say them at home, just assuming people's eyes are switched on and that sort of thing, whereas this morning I got real feedback. It was a bit disconcerting when uh, people laughed at points when I didn't think I was saying a joke and other people didn't laugh when I thought I was saying a joke. And Anyway, but welcome also to the people tuning in over in the halls or at home. Uh, God willing, over the next few weeks, more and more of us will be back at church together until we're back to normal church, hopefully, God willing, sometime soon. But now, uh, keep your finger in Romans 12, it was just read for us, but flick back to Galatians 5, where the fruit of the Spirit are, that's where we're going to start, and I'll pray before we get into it, so let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Spirit, we thank you that He is at work in us, producing fruit in line with your character. But Father, we pray now that your spirit might be at work through your word, convicting us of its truth and then changing us in the light of it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, uh, we're looking at what I think are probably the four more obscure fruit of the spirit. Uh, So open up our key verses for the series that uh, Matt read for us just before, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and just have a look at the list of the fruit there. First of all, you get love, that's what I talked about last week, we spoke about love, love is the big ticket one, love is the one that all the others flow out of, if you like, love is always first on every list in the New Testament. Uh, Then you get ones like joy and peace, they're the other big ones, they're always included, like in lists like this in the scriptures and at the end you see self-control and the fact that it comes last gives it some prominence Uh, but also we just all know how important self-control is because you don't do the other things unless you've got self-control. These other four though I think they sort of get skipped over a bit and I have some empirical evidence for this from back when I became a Christian in the early 90s and uh, we had at the church I was at a song on regular rotation called I don't even remember it had a name, we just called it the Fruit of the Spirit song. Uh, And so whenever we were on a a, a bus trip, you know, going to a camp or going on a mission or something like that, and you know, you you didn't have the songbook, so you didn't have the screen on the bus, and so people would say, hey, let's sing Amazing Grace, let's sing Let Us Adore. You don't know some of these songs, they're back from the early 90s. But uh, then someone would say, let's have the Fruit of the Spirit song. Uh, And so we'd be singing along. Uh, And this is how it goes, I'm going to sing it for you tonight. So there you are, you're not allowed to sing, but I can sing, so there you are. So it goes like this, it goes, the fruit of the Spirit, Troy, I'm on next week, yeah, Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, does anyone know this song? It it was, no, all right, Uh, I was in the early 90s, but our church was in the 70s, so anyway, uh, then it goes, love and joy, peace and patience, what was always funny was after that line, at that point, because we didn't have the books or anything, everyone would go, and self-control, and you'd come in on that last one. Uh, my point is, everyone knows love and joy, and, so, and everyone knows self-control, but these ones get overlooked, but not today. Today we are thinking about what patience looks like, what kindness looks like, what goodness looks like, and what gentleness looks like in our lives. As we start though, let's remind ourselves of where the fruit of the Spirit fit in. So our first heading is the context, uh, using our freedom to love. Because remember, that is what Galatians chapter 5 is all about. If you want a summary of Galatians chapter 5, it's how do you use your freedom that you have in the gospel? Because you remember, Jesus has set us free from the power of sin, He set us free from the penalty of sin, and He has set us free from the law. 
the Old Testament law. As a Christian, you don't need to keep the Old Testament law. We are saved by grace. It is a free gift of God. You receive that gift by faith in his Son, our Lord Jesus, not by works. And so we're not under the Old Testament law anymore. And so the question that raises is, and the question Christians ask from the very first day the gospel was preached is, well, what do we do with that freedom? See, does the fact that you're free mean you just go out and keep sinning? Does it not matter how you live? That's the question of Galatians chapter 5. And the answer to that question is a resounding, I hope you know, a resounding no. Jesus did not set you free so you could just go back and get chained up by sin again. And he didn't set you free, clean, cleanse you and wash you clean. So you just sort of go and jump back in the mud and get dirty again. No, Jesus has set us free so that we can live for him. So the key verse in Galatians chapter 5 is verse 13, where he says, For you were called to be free, brothers, only do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, that is for your old sinful nature, but instead serve one another through love. So you see, our freedom in the gospel is a freedom to serve one another, to love one another. And to help us do that, in fact, to make it possible for us to do that, to love and to serve, because the thing is, you see, left to our own devices, we don't want to love one another. We don't want to serve one another. Left to our own devices, our sinful nature controls us. So Jesus says, I don't give you a law to help you do this, to make you do this. I don't say to you, love and serve or you will be judged. No, we're free from the law. Instead, Jesus gave us something or actually someone far better. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And so he sends his Holy Spirit to live within us And that spirit produces fruit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. A fruit that sort of flows out in how you live your life, if you're a follower of Jesus. And so that's what this fruit is that we're looking at. It's the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in you. But we also know, of course, that we still have our sinful nature. And so that's why the encouragement of Galatians 5, it says that the Spirit will produce this in you, but you need to work to walk in line with the Spirit. You need to work at cultivating this fruit in your life. So that's the fruit of the Spirit. And today we're thinking about how we follow the Spirit in these four areas. So let's look at our first one, which is the fruit of patience. What is patience? Well, it's to do with waiting, isn't it? Uh, I think as a rule, we are getting less and less patient. Is that right? Uh, What do we want? We want everything. And when do we want it? We want it as soon as possible. Well, now. We're so busy, we get annoyed if people make us wait for anything for a minute. I am terrible at the supermarket. So I get there with my trolley, and then I look, and if that line, I look, which one's the shortest queue? Because I'm really important, and I can't be in the long queue. I've got to be in the short queue. But invariably, if I join a queue, you should join another queue. Because my queue will become the late, the, the long queue, if you like. It's just the way it works. And I get more and more impatient. If I ring Optus or Telstra, Sorry to do an anti-ad here, but if I ring Optus or Telstra and they put me on hold, I get more and more impatient. I especially get impatient when you finally get to talk to someone after 45 minutes and they say, oh, you actually need to talk to someone in this department, let me transfer you. And I scream at them. I don't scream, but I, well, I may have. But because you know it's going to happen, suddenly it's just going to beep, 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 and you're back at the beginning of the queue again because they've cut you off. You see... We're impatient, aren't we? Our time, we think anyway, our time is too important and it gets you steamed up when people make you wait. Now that sort of patience, patience to wait is a good thing 
and, and it's worth cultivating, but it's not quite what the Bible means here by patience. This is about patience towards those who wrong you. That could be true of Optus and Telstra, but, but it, it's towards those who aggravate you, it's towards those who persecute you. The old word for it was to be long-suffering, willing to put up with pain rather than seek revenge, suffering wrong or injustice without responding in the same way back. That's what the fruit of patience is. Now, like all the fruit of the Spirit, if you want to see patience at its most wonderful, then look at God. God is the example of patience. So look at Exodus 34 verse 6. It was our first reading before. We got it on the screen. Now, the word patience isn't there, but it's captured in God's words to Moses. He says, Yahweh, Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth. See, God is saying to Moses and he's saying to the Israelites, rather than rushing to judge you, which is what you actually deserve, I am patient with you. I want to forgive you. I want you to come to repentance. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 in the New Testament also captures it beautifully. It says, or do you despise the riches of his, that's God's, kindness, restraint and patience, not recognising that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So the thing is, God does not stand on his rights, if you like. God doesn't rush to give us what we deserve, which is judgment. Instead, he patiently bears with us, allowing us to repent. And we see this most wonderfully at the cross of Christ, of course, where Christ patiently endured awful suffering for our salvation. And the thing is, God is still showing patience with our world. The reason Christ has not returned, the reason Jesus has not come back to bring the judgment day is because he wants more people to have the chance to hear the gospel so that more people would have the chance to be saved rather than condemned. So if you want an example of patience, if you want an example of long-sufferingness, it's the Lord himself who's the example. And that's why, as we bring this to ourselves now, when the scriptures encourage us to be patient, God is not so much concerned with how good you are at waiting in a queue, though that's still important, God is concerned with how you respond to people who wrong you, how you respond to people who hurt you, how you respond to people who aggravate you. And it's often, in the New Testament, in the context of unity in the church. What do you do with the people who aggravate you within God's people? It says, be patient with one another, be quick to forgive one another. It's also in the context of how we face persecution from the world as Christians, Don't seek vengeance, but be patient, be willing to forgive. This concept of patience was just all the way through our New Testament reading before in Romans 12. I told you to keep a finger in that one. Flick to Romans chapter 12 now, turn it up in your Bibles. We looked from verse 9, but I just want to sort of pick out all the different spots in here. Look at verse 12, first of all, where it says, rejoice in hope, and then it says, be patient in affliction. So saying, as you face suffering, be patient in it. Or verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Instead of wanting to get vengeance on them, bless them. And it's the same point in verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Or verse 19, friends, do not avenge yourselves, instead leave room for his wrath, for it is written, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. See, this Romans chapter 12 is making the point, we can be patient, we can not seek revenge, if you like, because firstly, we know how God has been patient with us. And so how could we then not show that same patience to others? But then secondly, because we know that God will bring justice. It's not up to us to seek revenge. It's not our place to seek vengeance. Leave it in God's hands is the encouragement there. So there's the fruit of patience that we want to be cultivating in our lives. But if we move on, the next fruit is closely related to patience. So number two is the fruit of kindness. What is kindness? It's one of those things that's really hard to define. Just think about it for a minute. How do you define kindness? I think every parent sort of knows something about what kindness is because I hear parents say it, especially if they've got more than one child, will you just be kind to your sister? And what it means is just be nice to them, be good to them. See, it's that general disposition to do good to other people. Patience is in the context of when you are aggravated, when you're wronged, This is more the general expression in all circumstances, doing good to others, not because you get something in return, not because they deserve it, but just because you are kind. And once again, you see this at its most wonderful in the character of God. So you see in the way God provides for our world, even though most of our world ignores him, fails to honour him, even calls him names. Just look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, it'll come on the screen. And it says, For he, God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's funny, sometimes people say, why does God allow droughts? Why does God allow floods? Why does God allow this pandemic or whatever other disasters? Actually, the real question, if you know yourself and know God, if you understand the sinfulness of humanity and the holiness of God, the real question is, why does God let anything good happen to us? Why does God let anything good happen in this world? If God gave us what we deserved, our world would be in constant turmoil, our world would be in constant drought, flood and every disaster in between. But God is kind to all. God brings the sun every morning for all. God brings the rain for all, even on people who call him names even on people who ignore him, even on people who destroy his people and destroy his world. That is kindness. But of course, we see God's kindness most wonderfully in the way he sent his son to be our saviour, which is why in the New Testament, kindness is so often associated, God's kindness is associated with the coming of Jesus. So look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, together with Christ Jesus, God also raised us up, and seated us in the heavens so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. See, the great act of kindness is sending his son to be our saviour. So kindness the fruit of this, is a fruit of the spirit because kindness is of the essence of who God is. Now it's impossible, as I said before, it's impossible to list out what is covered by kindness you know, how can you define this? But kindness is shown in the way we serve one another. Kindness is shown in the way we, we care for the person that other people don't care for. We care for the outcast. Kindness is in the way we drop everything to comfort the person who's struggling. 
It's the way we forgive one another. I think Ephesians 4.32 captures it so well. It's on the end of a long list. And then he says, and just be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. See, again, it's because we know the kindness and compassion of Jesus, we can therefore show kindness and compassion to others. Which brings us to the next of the fruit. And at this point, I hope you're beginning to see that in some senses, you can't separate these out. They go together as a package deal, which is why I'm preaching on all four of them tonight. Because the next is number three, the fruit of goodness. Goodness is a lot like kindness in many ways. And again, it's hard to distinguish them. The subtle difference might be that kindness is how you act towards other people. Goodness is what goes on in here. Goodness is moral purity, moral goodness, if you like. Which is, of course, again, fundamental to God. If God is anything at all, he is fundamentally good. Remember the story of the rich young ruler in the Gospels? Remember how the the rich young man comes to Jesus? And when he comes to him, he says, good teacher. And Jesus has this strange response to him where Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, Jesus could have, at that point, pointed out, actually, I am good because I am the Son of God, but he didn't. He wanted to stress the point, no human being is fundamentally good. Only our Heavenly Father is fundamentally good. God is pure. God is without sin, which means that goodness for us is about seeking to be pure like God is pure. Paul talks about it in Romans 15, 14. Look at it, what he says. It'll come on the screen. He says, my brothers, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. See, it seems what he's saying is, as you have come to know God's word better, as you've grown in your knowledge of God, that has created goodness in you. Because to be full of goodness means to be in line with God. It's to have your heart and your mind in line with God's heart and God's mind. That is what goodness is. Well, the final one of our four for tonight is the one that probably is least honoured by our world. That's number four, the fruit of gentleness. Gentleness gets a bad rap in our world, doesn't it? It's associated with weakness. It's associated with being a doormat. And it's especially looked down on in men, uh, as if it is unmasculine to be gentle. Men are meant to be harsh and tough, not gentle. When you, when you ask a father, what do you want for your son? Very few fathers say, I want him to be gentle. You don't hear fathers on the sideline at the rugby game calling out to their son, be more gentle. <laughs> you know, it, it's unlikely. I want to contend, though, that there is nothing tougher Nothing that actually shows true strength of character more than gentleness. See, gentleness is that humble meekness that characterised Jesus more than any other trait. In fact, I think that word meekness, that Jesus refers to Jesus all the time in the Gospels, captures this idea of gentleness better than anything. It's that humility that meant that Jesus did not stand up for his own rights, but put the rights of other people above his own. It's that meekness that meant he was willing to give up everything to save us rather than stand on his rights and demand his own way. It's that willingness to suffer injustice for the good of others. It's the way Jesus came not to give us a burden but to remove our burdens. Look at Matthew 11 verse 29. All of you, Jesus says, 
Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. See, if you want to see gentleness, look at Jesus. Gentleness is the opposite of arrogance. Gentleness is the opposite of asserting my rights. It's the opposite of being bossy. It's the opposite of being bullying. It's the opposite of being domineering. But it is not weakness. Jesus held the line. Jesus stood up against the bully. Jesus stood up for the weak with real toughness. Yet he was gentle, especially with the broken and especially with the weak. And so we are called to follow the example of our Lord in his meekness, in his humility, in his gentleness. Titus chapter 3, verse 2, the end of a long list, the Apostle Paul says to us, be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. When Peter talks about how we share the gospel with non-Christians, he encourages us to reason with people. I think he actually encourages us to argue with people. You argue the case. You try and say, well, this is why the gospel is true. This is why I believe what I believe. But then he says, 1 Peter 3.16, he says, however, do this with gentleness and respect. See, gentleness is about how we speak. It's about how we treat people. Even if we need to be firm, even if we need to be tough, even if we need to argue the case, if you like, we do it with gentleness because that's what the Lord Jesus did. Well, that's the four fruit for today. And in many ways, as I keep saying, they are a package deal. They go together. Uh, patience goes with kindness. Kindness goes with goodness. Goodness goes with gentleness. And so I want to just make a couple of points about them collectively as we close. And the first is this. These are not attributes that our world admires. Our world does not reward patience. Our world does not reward gentleness. In fact, it's the opposite. Did you notice, if you're back in Galatians 5, or if you've got it in your head, notice how different these fruit are to the works of the flesh you see in the earlier verses. Because the works of the flesh are all about me. The works of the flesh are all about me gratifying my desires. The works of the flesh, the sinful nature, are all about me putting myself up and to do that, often dragging other people down so that I can be above them. Whereas the fruit of the Spirit are all about other people. It's all about not doing what I need, what I want, and instead putting other people above myself. And so we need to remember, there is a cost in walking by the Spirit. Sometimes you will miss out in this life because you are patient rather than bossy. You will miss out in this life because you are good, because you are gentle, because you are kind. That is the reality. That's why Jesus said in perhaps his most famous statement, if you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Because as I say, meekness covers all four of these. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Why do you have to say that? It's because he's saying, because the meek miss out in this life. Sometimes you will miss out on things if you walk by the Spirit, if this is the fruit shown in your life. But remember what Jesus says, it's the meek that inherit the earth. They may not be recognised by this world, but they are recognised by God. Take comfort in that. This is what God wants in you, not what our world wants in you. Secondly, and lastly, how are we to respond to hearing about these fruit? As we went through these four fruit, I hope, I hope at least, 
I'd assume that all of us quietly thought of the times we know when we have not been patient. And we thought of the times when we have not been kind, when we've not been good, when we've not been gentle. Or perhaps even for some of us, you thought about how you actually particularly struggle with one of these areas, that you are an impatient person. You are an, whatever an ungentle person is, a harsh person. That, That you are someone who is not good at showing kindness to others. I caught up with a friend as I was preparing this sermon, an old friend, and we were with his kids at the same time. And one of his kids kept interrupting us. And, he just, and then he just lost it with, with the son that was with us. And then he turned to me, once he'd shut his son up, and said, so what are you preaching on on Sunday? I said, oh, patience. <laughs> I don't say that to judge my friend, because he may well be listening to the sermon, because I've been exactly the same. Because this is the thing, isn't it? We are impatient. And it's the same with all these virtues. We struggle to show these virtues. But the purpose of that is not so that we then feel guilty. That's what we need to remember. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. We will continue to sin. We'll continue to fail. We will continue to struggle with patience or whatever it is until Christ returns and we are made perfect. So don't let it make you despair. But as I talked about last week with love, the right reaction is what we call godly sorrow. That is to genuinely mourn our lack of patience, to genuinely mourn our lack of kindness, our lack of goodness, our lack of gentleness, but then to praise God for the forgiveness we have in Christ and then pray for his help in growing in these characteristics. But again, like I said last week with love, I do pray that you also look at yourself and look at your brothers and sisters in Christ and you can see these fruit growing that you see the development of these fruit in yourself and in your brothers and sisters. We're not perfect. And our sanctification, our our growth in godliness, our growth in the fruit of the Spirit, it's often slow and sort of up and down rather than instantaneous. That's the reality of the Christian life. But we do grow. The Spirit does this work in us. And I pray that you see that growth in yourself and that you see it in others. Because I can tell you, it is such a joy when I see it in you, when I see it amongst us. And I can tell you, non-Christians see this. Our world is a horribly impatient place. Our world is a horribly unkind place. Our world is one where people are quick to judge, where people are quick to speak harshly, where people are slow to help anyone they're not related to or they don't like. And because of that, even your smallest acts of kindness shine like a beacon in our world. Even your smallest acts of patience make people say, what is different about them? Even your smallest acts of goodness and gentleness make people realise there's something different about them. I have lost count of the number of times people who are not yet believers have come into our church and they have remarked to me, there is something wonderful about that church. And I'm not meaning snack at that, because I think they would have said the same in any true church that they'd gone into, any place where the Spirit of God is at work. You see, even even though we sometimes look and say, ah, but I'm so impatient and so forth, the Spirit is at work and people see it in you. And so I want to encourage you, work at cultivating this fruit in yourself and amongst each other so that we do commend our Saviour to the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we admit that all too often we are impatient, 
We are not gentle, we are sometimes not kind and often not good. But Father, we thank you that we are not saved by how much we put on these fruit, but instead we are saved by grace through trusting in the death of your Son. But Father, now that we have your Spirit, we pray that you would be continuing to grow this fruit in our lives and help us to work at cultivating it so that we might truly shine like stars in this fallen world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.